Well, Rosie, Stuart, David, Mark, Rachel, this is a great night for you and for your families and your friends who've come along here tonight to support you. It's a great night for the whole congregation here in Kirkpatrick. Isn't it? We don't see it like this as often as we should, but even to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ is a high privilege. To be called to serve and work for him in the work of the eldership is an even greater thing. In the Psalms we read, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather even be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And tonight you've been charged with the responsibility and the privilege of being a leader of God's people in this place. And while you're up here in the spotlight tonight as you're ordained, you'll be joining that existing group of elders in this place that are called the Kirk Session. And there are other elders here today, no doubt, from other places as well. So what we're going to hear from God's word tonight equally applies to them. In fact, in many ways, I think it's best to see elders as just Christians who've grown up into being in a position to lead and to influence other people. So what we're about to see is something for us all to aim at in our lives with God. Because this evening we're going to think about leadership. And when you think of it, all of us are called to lead in some way or another in our lives. It may be in the family. It may be in the workplace. It may be that we have influence on the lives of others in all sorts of situations and places. It may be that in some of the church organizations we're a leader or we're a leader in some other Christian work. And the question we want to ask this evening is this, what does it look like to lead like Jesus? What does it look like to lead like Jesus? I don't know who the leaders you admire are, but so often today leadership comes down to style. And you've either kind of got it or you haven't. President Obama seems to have it. President Putin doesn't. Although you've got to give it to him, he tries very hard. I'm not going to say anything more about that in case I start another diplomatic incident, this time between the East Belfast Presbytery and the Kremlin. Who else? Mourinho has it. You know, love him or hate him, he's, he's just so cool, isn't he? Moyes, afraid not. You'll know how much I've enjoyed this illustration if I tell you I'm a Manchester City supporter. And what about that spotlight pre-election show this week? Where all the candidates were wheeled out and, you know, they had one minute to make their pitch about why we should vote for them. And really we were all watching because it was on TV after all. And it wasn't so much what they said that interested us. It was, what do they look like? Do they look like a leader? But putting all that aside, what does it look like to lead like Jesus? Because whatever great leaders we admire, even the other leaders in the Bible, all of them are in some way flawed. The only perfect leadership example we'll ever find is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's on him that we have to model our leadership if it's to be truly Christian. 
So what sort of leader was Jesus? What was his attitude towards leading? What was his style? What was it about him that so influenced other people? Well, we're going to see three things about what it looks like to lead like Jesus in the incidents from his life that we read about earlier. Here's the first one. Jesus was a humble leader. Our reading tonight began with Jesus and his disciples en route for Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday. This was going to be a big day for Jesus, just as this is a big night for you folks tonight. This was Jesus' victory parade. The people wanted to install Jesus as their king. In many ways, this was as good as it got for Jesus in terms of his leadership being publicly acknowledged by men during his time here on earth. So what does he do? He sends some of his disciples on ahead to make the necessary preparations for this big day in his life. And many people have been making preparations for this big day in your life tonight and the life of the congregation here in Kirkpatrick, the presbytery, those who have been involved in the service, those who are going to give us a cup of tea later on. But back to Jesus for a moment. you see him that day? Here he comes now down the hillside into Jerusalem on his big day. What do you see? A man dressed in expensive and beautiful clothes, a crown on his head, riding in majesty on a big white charger, entourage in tow? No. We see ordinary everyday clothes, We see no crown on Jesus' head. We see Jesus riding, right enough, but on a donkey. Entourage, oh yes, a bunch of ragamuffin disciples, a cheering crowd of common people waving makeshift palm tree banners and laying down their clothes on the way, as close as it got to the red carpet. What kind of king is this? Or to put it differently, what way is this to lead? Well, it's Jesus' way. It's the way of humility. It's the way of the servant king that we were singing about earlier. This is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to follow him. To bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. As we go about the roles of leading others that God calls us to, this picture of Jesus as humble leader, is one we want to hold in our minds. Jesus is not a man above men, but a man among men. He's God with us in the trenches. Jesus not seeking to scramble up the rungs of the ladder to see how high he could rise. No, no, Jesus coming down the rungs of the ladder, seeing how low he has to stoop to meet our needs. Jesus not coming just to rub shoulders with those who were rich and successful and popular, but coming to serve those who were forgotten about, the marginalized, the poor, the outcasts of society in those days. Jesus' leadership style 
is that of the humble servant. That's why we find him here on Palm Sunday, the very day in which people recognized him and proclaimed him to be their leader without any finery or any airs or graces on a donkey down among the common people. That first Palm Sunday, the people sang, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They knew, they appreciated a real leader when they saw one. And despite all the outward appearances that day, they were seeing one. They were seeing God's leader, Jesus. Do we want to lead people? Do we want to be recognized as a godly leader? Then let's learn from Jesus that that recognition comes by humility and through service. Respect for our leadership isn't something we can demand just because we've had a service tonight. It's something we have to earn. It's something I guess you've already earned or else you wouldn't be up here and you wouldn't have been selected by the members of the the congregation here. And one of the ways that we earn that respect is through humble service and sacrifice and not through superiority and self-centeredness. Jesus was a humble leader. And however and wherever he calls us to lead, we need to be too. Here's something else about what it means to lead like Jesus from the next bit of the story that we read tonight. It's that Jesus was a compassionate leader. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city down below him, we're told that he wept over it. It's one of only two times that we're told in the Gospels that Jesus cried. He wept here over the people of Jerusalem because he wanted so much for these people among whom he had lived and worked to come to know God through him, to find peace for their lives, but they couldn't see it. If you, even you, had known what would bring you peace, he said, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Jesus saw that people were turning their backs on an opportunity now that would have catastrophic consequences for their future. He continued like this, The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They'll dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They're not going to leave one stone upon another of this great city of Jerusalem because you did not recognize You couldn't see it. You did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Those are fearful words on the lips of Jesus, aren't they? They cause us to tremble reading them even centuries later, don't they? They cause Jesus to look out and weep with compassion for a people who were lost without him, who were lost in their sins who didn't even recognize that God and Christ his Son had come to save them and to give them that life that they really wanted in their hearts, that life in all its fullness. They just couldn't see it. And it caused Jesus to weep. Compassion. Compassion for others. Compassion for those who are lost in their lives without God. Jesus had it. 
He wept because of it. But what about us today? Do we have it? All around us, there are still people today who fail to recognize the importance of what Jesus came to do for them. They can't see it. Sometimes they reject it. And the consequences of that for them are every bit as disastrous as for the people back here. It would be another 30 or 40 years before what Jesus foresaw here actually happened and Jerusalem was destroyed and its people were slaughtered by an invading army. But you know, some of the people we rub shoulders with don't even have 30 or 40 years. And their loss is as great, even greater, than what Jesus describes here. If they fail to recognize him as their Savior and their Lord. So have we in the Church of Jesus Christ got compassion for them? Or are we really indifferent about it? Because we're so taken up with ourselves. Someone has written these words that perhaps sum up how easy it is to become so focused on ourselves that we've no compassion for others. Here's how they go. Easy to be passive. Easy to avoid involvement. Easy to look the other way. Easy to shut up your heart. Easy to focus on me and mine. Easy to withhold compassion. Easy to shut the door and close the blinds. Easy to love what is lovely. Easy to give what will bring a return. Easy to build a fence around your comfort. Too high to see over with no gate for exit. Easy to sit in the middle and call it the good life. It's so easy for us in the church to live the good life, even while all around us there are people who don't have God's life. Isn't it? But if we are to live like Jesus, if we are to lead like Jesus, then our hearts and our churches need to be bigger than that. They need to make space for compassion for others. So what do we notice as we look out on the world tonight? As we go into it again at the start of another working week, is there anything there that might move us to tears? As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. You see, Jesus was a compassionate leader. He felt for the needs of others, not just for himself. And in this phase of the church's life in Ireland, it may well be that there's nothing more important than to be led out of a preoccupation with our comfortable selves and into the world with Jesus' heart for others. And one of your job as elders, along with all those who lead in the Presbyterian Church across Ireland, will be to lead us in that outward direction that only comes with a recovery of compassion within What will it mean to lead like Jesus? It'll mean leading humbly. It'll mean leading with compassion. Here's the last thing tonight. 
it'll mean leading with passion. For Jesus was a passionate leader. The verses we read earlier record what was an eventful day in Jesus' life. We have that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We have him weeping over the city. And then this. Jesus reaches Jerusalem and enters the temple area. And what he found there set his pulse racing. For in his father's house, which was meant to be a place of prayer and worship, the people were buying and selling. They had turned it into a market. And not only that, those who traded there were dishonestly robbing the people by what they were charging. So what did Jesus do? He drove them out. What we have here in Luke's gospel is an edited version of what we're told happened in Matthew's gospel, where Jesus overturns the traitor's stalls. This is a sort of weird picture of Jesus being really worked up, isn't it? The more so because it follows straight after events in which he's so humble and he's so compassionate. But you see, this gives us an insight into the passion that ran deeply in Jesus' life. His passion runs so high here because he cared deeply for his father's house. I think if we're honest, we might just be a wee bit uncomfortable about what Jesus does here. He wants to ride on a donkey. It's a bit weird, but fair enough. If he even wants to stop and weep over Jerusalem, well, we can have a bit of that. But let's not have this. What might we call it today? Let's not have this fanaticism. You see, we show so little passion about anything today. Haven't we become so awfully bland? This is Northern Ireland, for goodness sake, and we can't even get passionate about politics anymore. We can't get half the people out to cast their vote. Go to a football match these days, and nobody even sings. Don't know, not fussed, couldn't be bothered. We've become so apathetic about everything nowadays that so many things just seem to drift into decline. That had been happening for years here in the temple in Jerusalem until it had reached the all-time low that Jesus found that day. And it took Jesus to come with a passion for God and a passion for his house and take things by the scruff of the neck and begin to set them right again. And if we're to live and we're to lead like Jesus, then we too need to have that passion for God and for his house and for his church, and for his kingdom. We need to care deeply about God's glory. We need to care deeply about the church's fortunes, about its progress, about its future, about doing all we can in every way to see this church bring glory to Jesus. Jesus was a passionate leader, and in this apathetic age, we so badly need that passion about God and that passion about his church in our lives and in our leadership too. Now, all of us are different in our, in our temperaments. We might not be the sort of person ever to overturn anybody's tables. But we need to have this passion for God and the honor of his name 
running deep in our lives, however it manifests itself, especially if we're ever going to lead or influence anyone else. We need to care deeply about God's glory and the fortunes of his church. Because, you see, the thing is, that sort of passion, that compassion, that humility that we've been talking about tonight, they're contagious. They not only make us lead like Jesus, they also help us to make followers of him as well. Because look at how this chapter we've been reading ends, verses 47 and 48. Every day Jesus was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet, they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. What an amazing end to these three little pictures of Jesus that we've seen tonight. All the people hung on his words. That sounds like the mark of a leader to me. It's often said, if you think you're leading but no one is following, all you're really doing is taking a walk. Jesus was never just taking a walk. He was a leader with followers. And we will be too if we style how we lead on his example of humility of heart and compassion towards others and a passion for God and for his church. David, thank you for that. Um, One of the reasons I invited you to come and address the new elders here and the rest of us is because I, I know that you are somebody who Um, loves God's word and communicates it very well so thank you for bringing that to us this evening and I want to say welcome aboard to the new elders Um, if you were in church this morning guys you heard me talk a little bit about uh, my experience of coming here uh, 11 years ago Um, the church had fallen on, on hard times. I think it's fair to say at that point. And some people had warned me that this would not be a wise place to come as a young minister taking a first charge. But what they maybe didn't appreciate is what God would and could do through even a small number of people committed to him. And I found that in our our elders at that time. You heard me maybe talk about that this morning. So God gave me brilliant elders when I started here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. Over the years, he's given uh, 11 more fabulous elders. And tonight, you um, are joining the team. And together, we'll try to do the kind of thing that David's talked about here this evening. First thing, follow Jesus ourselves to try to live in some of these ways that we've learned about and then pray that with God's help we can lead others to come to know Jesus, to grow in their love for him, to flourish as his followers. That's what we'll try to do. So welcome aboard. Uh, Great to have you.